0: Good evening. This is a traditional Barone. This is what they preach in in the Philippines. So if you're doing a wedding or you're preaching, you don't wear a suit and tie. Believe me, you don't want to wear a suit and tie down there. It's way too hot. Um, they wear these Barones. So Nilo's always buying me these. I have stacks of them in my closet. Uh, he bought me a long sleeve one. You'll see me preaching in it, but I was too hot to wear it today. So uh, it's good to see you. We're so happy to be home. Um, we had a great trip, and we want to share uh, that experience with you because you give to this church and this church gives to missions and this church cares about missions and it is part of the great commission and you've heard me say this if we're not doing missions we're not doing church uh, because that's what God is about I I was thinking this afternoon about Acts Christ is resurrected from the dead chapter 1 things are still unstable to say the least with the apostles they're trying to figure out what's going on they... Christ is going to ascend. He's given them some commands to wait for the Father's promise as He speaks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then they say in verse 6, chapter 1, So when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Now this is what they're thinking here. Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? Now there's a couple of interesting thoughts there. One, they know their Old Testament. They know that God is going to restore Israel a kingdom of Israel. He's going to do that. Now, it's not all of Israel. Not all Israel is Israel. But there's a remnant that he's going to put together. We certainly know that. He's going to draw them to Christ. They're going to call on him. We we see that so clearly throughout the prophets. So they're wondering if this is the time. And remember, they're they're not thinking missions yet. (laughs) And Jesus says to them, It is not for you to know the times and the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Man, time is set. Everything is done in the Father's directions. We are waiting for them to come. I, I love that terminology. But then he said this to them. Now, remember, they're not thinking missions. They're thinking kingdom. Uh, just a few days earlier, they were arguing who's going to be on the left and the right. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, just what he promised them in John 14, John 16. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, they're in Jerusalem, and Samaria is not somewhere a Jew goes. And then he throws in that last little one to the remotest parts of the earth. You know, most of the world wasn't known at that time. They were still discovering things. Rome had made its way around and made roads and canals and so forth. But he was thinking so much bigger than them. And I love this verse because I, as I read this, he was thinking about the very spot that Gene and I were in the Philippines. That God was going to save souls there. And 2,000 years later, we're standing there <laughs> preaching to preachers. Who are preaching to their own people. And, they have, and I'll show you this. They have so many churches right now. They do not have enough pastors. They cannot train them fast enough for what God was doing down there. That was all the Lord was thinking about it all. Way back in Acts, 2,000 years before. So it's been fun to be to the remotest parts of the world, the, the uh, earth, but it's really fun to be home. <laughs> uh, I'm thankful that we do have a home here as well. But we really enjoyed this trip. So let me pray, and then we're going to show you some pictures of both Japan, the ministry there, and then in the Philippines. And I'm glad our youth are in here, our student ministry, so glad. Um, I, I'm praying, maybe out of this group, God raises missionaries up. Um, We we need people who are committed to Jesus Christ and want to go share this. I I, I pray that this may encourage your heart. So listen well. Yes, you could do this. God could call you for this. Father, thank you for this time to talk about missions. It is your heart, isn't it, Lord? From the foundations of the world, you knew us. Not just us here in Ormond Beach, but our dear brothers and sisters in Japan and Philippines and Egypt and uh, Spain and around the world, Lord. You knew them. And Jesus, you said that you would get them all and you would lose none of them. You're great at that, Lord. You save your people. So, Lord, we're joining you in something you're already doing. And we saw this Sunday in Revelations 5 that there are going to be these people from every tribe, tongue, nation around the throne. And so it's a promise that you're going to save. So if we go, we'll be a part of what you're doing. And so, Lord, I thank you that you let us go in this way tonight, uh, being able to send Gina and myself and others. Uh, We have young people around the world right now. We thank you that you let us participate and partner with us. Lord, help us uh, not be so uh, white-fisted with our monies, with our times, our talents, the things that we have. Help us think eternally. uh, To remember, this is going to come to an end here. Our lives will come to an end if you do not return soon, Lord. And so what will we do with it? Lord, help us. I pray we challenge us today as we look at this and be encouraged what you're doing around the world. Lord, bless our time today. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we'll start with some slides here. I got a lot, so we got to move through because I want to get you home by midnight. So Um, (laughs) uh, I want to start here. Um, This is Paul Anthes. He was the leader of Compassion for Congo. If you remember, this is what I went out a week, Gina and I went out a week early for was Paul's funeral. Uh, I put him up because um, after the funeral, um, I met several days with other pastors out there um, that support that ministry. Um, Compassion for Congo has an orphanage of around 25 kids plus some widows who work in there. And then they have four churches that range from about 300 to 400 people apiece with pastors in each of those, other pastors being trained in a country that hit 100% unemployment during COVID because the the president shut it all down. Um, The country's dying. And when Paul died, I became very concerned with Compassion for Congo, and we still are, but I'm working at Friday morning. I have a Zoom meeting with a bunch of pastors out west, doing everything we can to make sure that we keep that ministry funded and going and the oversight that needs. So it looks like we're going to be putting together a a board of pastors of us that that care about this ministry. But I do want you to pray for Compassion for Congo. Um, I've spoken many times with Didier since. And he says, Pastor, we are trusting the Lord, but we are praying. Um, We are dependent upon you at this point. Um, You know, he knows they need to be more self-dependent, but it's just such a difficult country. So Paul's with the Lord. His, his widow, Jenny, such a sweet sister in the Lord, is doing well. But, they, you know, she has 24-hour care of Abby. That's um, a challenging one. Uh, their church is now without a pastor, preacher. They have two elders, but they're not preachers, and, and they're struggling. And So just I, I start with this picture because that, that was our first week out there, which was exhausting in itself, very... Um, very tiring because you just kind of hurt for that. As much as I'm thankful that Paul is with the Lord, I pray for that ministry. And I, I ask you to pray for them. Pray for that church as well. Um, and uh, pray for myself as I meet with these men to try to figure out how to make sure we take care of Compassionate Congo. Paul did so much. He was such a hard worker. And he cared for that ministry like his own children. and um, And they feel the loss of that. And somehow the Lord has to... He's going to do it. I just don't know how. All right, next slide. I just need to be able to see past you here. Um, we, we went to Japan. Um, God started working some things out maybe a little year ago. Josh, are you in here? Where's Josh? I saw him somewhere. around. Maybe he's working in children's. Something. Um, Josh, it started with Josh. Josh got an email from um, Josh Brown. Josh Brown got an email from uh, a gentleman that had gone to Master Seminary and was finishing up in Indiana at Faith uh, Baptist Seminary, I think it is. And um, he his wife was the daughter of these two. This is Joe and Mita. No, Joe and Noni Mita. Um, and they had been sent to the States to go to school and come back. Um, and so that started this relationship. Of course, we had Connor playing baseball in Japan. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Maybe we could meet with them. And that lo- started a lot of emails back and forth. And one thing led to another, and... Uh, we began to do a little more research on the church in Japan. It turns out the church in Japan is very, very small. Um, I think I told you Sunday it's .05 are those who claim to be Christians. I talked a long time with Joe here uh, about it. He says, "Scott, I don't need to be a downer, but half of those people are probably not born again. Um, So you're talking about a church that's .02? of the nation. Japan has no god in their society. Shintoism, Shintoism. Shintoism and Buddhism, it's, it's ancestral, ancestral worship and karma and that kind of thing. There's no god in their society. Gods, even dead gods, there's none of that. So it's a truly a godless society. Now, when you go there, it's the most kindest, respectful people you've ever been around, it's the quietest nation you'll ever be in. Um, nobody talks, no horns. It's just quiet. The cities are quiet. Um, people are quiet. You're packed on trains like sardine. No one talks. It's just quiet. Um, they're very respectful, very, very kind people, but they are without God. And that nation, and I, and I don't know what, why God put all that together, but I'm very interested in how we can have a role there. Um, I'm very concerned about Japan. It, I, I just don't think people know, right? We just don't know. Japan has very, very few churches. Everywhere we go around the world, you drive around, and see churches, whether they're cathedrals of Catholics or you know false teaching or whatever. You see churches, or you do not see churches in Japan. You may see a Buddhist temple every once in a while, but you never see churches. There are no steeples, there are no crosses, there are no churches visible in Japan, and it's not because they're they're being persecuted. There's just no Christians in that country. It is devoid of the church in so many ways. Now, this church here, which is behind us here, um, it's called Bethel Baptist Church. Uh, they're part of Baptist Mid-Mission. They're, Joe told me they're the largest of their churches, which is about 30 that they know of, they fellowship with in Japan. Most of them are under 10, 10 people in the church. They're 30 to 40 um, on, on, on any given Sunday. Next slide. Um, oh, sorry. I was out of order. This is Gene and I on the train station trying not to get lost. Uh, when you're in Tokyo, you've got to figure out trains because that's the way you move around. And it's one station to another station to another station and so forth. That was on our way there to this church. And he picked us up. We actually made it there, and he picked us up at a train station. I'm not sure where we were, but we followed the train, got off the right stop, and he was there to pick us up. So that this is their church. Um, what's very unusual is they have a building and they have a parking lot. And no churches have parking lots. Most of them are in houses. And they, the neighbors to the right here were so grateful for the way they conducted themselves in the neighborhood, sold them this little piece of property on the right, which they've made for a playground for the kids and more parking so they can actually park their cars. Um, next slide. Um, that's Pastor Joe on the left, the pianist on the right, and this young couple was kind of leading songs for uh, Sunday school. Uh, and the next slide. Um, anime. If you're into anime, it's everywhere. Uh, you know, like, I don't know what to compare it to. It's just anime everywhere. But um, even in their stories uh, and their Bible stories, it's, it's anime type of uh, uh, cartoonist type thing. So next slide. <laughs> so they're singing that song and i'm thinking about them and i think they're thinking about us (laughs) maybe god's gonna be saving some americans they're probably thinking because those people are wacko over there they got everything messed up japan rejected in their parliament rejected same-sex marriage rejected all that and they probably think we're crazy over here, and what's going on with the church? And they're singing about God saving people from around the world. We're looking at them going, "You're you're point two percent of the population of Christians here." But it's just so sweet. They're just like us. They just speak a different language. Believers. It doesn't matter where you go, what culture you're in, what language you speak. When you get around believers of the world, they are us. We are them. There is such a like-mindedness, such a relationship built in Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And it links your heart together like that. What's so interesting is we're out there and we're, we're going to baseball games on the trains and going all over in, in pack society. And, and they're very respectful, but they are so different than the world. And I, and I, th- I hope that's true with us. I hope when people come in here and they go, wow, that was refreshing. They're so different than the world. Are we? Is your home. I mean, we gotta think about this. Is your marriage different than the marriages in the world? Is your home different? The way you spend your money? I mean, that I, I mean, I sat there and I thought, I hope that's true when they walk into my home, when they walk into our church. Because when you get around Christians around the world, that love the Lord Jesus Christ and love his word and genuinely apply it to their own lives, they're different than the world. We should be. Next slide. And so were there bad people all around in the world then? (laughs) So Gina's, I just put a little clip in there. Gina's teaching um, Sunday school to the kids um, and Pastor Joe was interpreting for. Uh, You know, we've interpreted, we've translated a lot of languages, but uh, Japanese was fun uh, to to listen to it. And Joe is a great guy. He's 71 years old. His mission makes him retired, so he's kind of going to an emeritus status. But he's full of energy, has a deep love for the Lord, is completely uh, flabbergasted at at our country. Uh, He watches Fox News. (laughs) He He tells me more about things that are going on in my country than I knew. He goes, Scott, what is going on there? I go, don't ask, Joe. It's, uh, you know. (laughs) Anyway, next slide. Uh, Church was getting ready to start. That's uh, one of the elders on the right. He was going to lead singing and the pianist and Joe. And just, it's very small. Everything's small, right? Houses are small. Everything's small. You eat small. Everything's small. Um, So uh, (laughs) it's just very different than America. So they're praying. Next slide. Uh, this young man, um, was reading scripture. Just, they had, you know, they sang some songs, had scripture reading. They do church. Very similar to us. Next slide. It's song, you? It's, you know, it's just such a blessing to see people love the Lord Jesus in different language, and you just become very attracted to them and very close to them very quickly. Um, Pastor Joe is a very, he's a very good preacher, very excited, loves Christ, was animated in his preaching, um, uh, was clear and articulate. They had, um, they had little earpieces for us, so, so somebody was translating somewhere in the building so we could understand what was going on. Uh, they wanted us to make sure we could hear. Uh, Joe introduced me. I gave my testimony first um, and then later came up and preached uh, and talked and spoke on missions. Next slide. By the way, they dress wonderful in Japan. <laughs> uh, be careful, don't throw anything at me. Women dress like women in Japan. They wear dresses, nice, and, and if they wear pants, or n- I, men were. It, it's just kind of you like you jump back into the fifties or something, um, and you can just see there's there's just a different way of how they present themselves. We enjoyed it. This is their bulletin. Uh, next slide. Um, afterwards, it was just kind of couple after couple, family after family that we just got to spend time with them. Many of them did speak some English. Um, and we're good communicators. They're very educated people and very friendly. Uh, love to. They were just so, such a joy to get to know. Next slide. They had a luncheon with us afterwards, and uh, we weren't sure what we ate, but we ate something. And yes. uh, it was the bento boxes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the gals just love Gina. You know, they're picking her. They're all homeschooling because there, there is, you know, there's there's no God, so. Evolution just rules the day, and so all of their curriculum is without God. So most of them have, have brought their kids home. It's not illegal, but it's not legal, and so they're learning to homeschool. That's a challenge there. It, what, what's interesting is they also saw that there's such a performance-based society, and if you're not perfect, you go down the ring. And the suicide level in Japan is massive. Uh, just off the chart of most countries because there's no option to fail. Um, And so the kids are driven so hard um, and in society and jobs and so forth. So they're learning to parent, learning trying to deal with the heart of their children and trying to break all that training. They were brought up with performance only and not that they don't do a great job with their kids educating them, but that's a battle, right? And that leads to legalism within Christianity, Um, And so they're learning to do that. So Gina had a lot of great discussions with the gals, helping them. Just kids out playing and doing what they do. You see a lot of people wearing masks. I want to explain that before some of you um, hyper-conservatives get crazy here. Um, Japan always has worn masks and gloves, particularly in the winter. They don't like breathing in cold air, so it was was an easy transition for them. Um, And they don't like being different. Isn't that interesting? In, in our society, you have to be different, right? You have to stand out so you're recognized, so you get more followers or whatever. They don't like that at all. They want to just blend in. Um, and everybody, it's kind of a monochromatic uh, society. Everybody's black and gray and maybe tan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here I am wearing a Hawaiian shirt, you know. Uh, uh, it's, just, it's just the way they are. And so, but they're just, their kids are wonderful. Go ahead, next, next slide. Uh, there's a story here behind this little guy. This is Subaru. Um, just spelled just like the car. Um, so cute. All, so the, all the little, little Japanese kids were so cute. Oh, Gina had a ball. You, they don't, you know, you don't try to take too many pictures of them. But, I mean, they, have, they wear that little backpacks and little hat. You see these little guys getting on the trains by themselves. No parents. It's the safest society you've ever been in your life. Very. There's no crime. And uh, these guys are getting on trains. You're going... Where's your parents? <laughs> you know, he's got a backpack on, his little yellow hat, and off they go. But, so, but this is a sad story, and yet I want to talk about this for a moment. Um, this is Joe and Pastor uh, Noni, Pastor Joe and Noni's grandson. He's two years old. Um, remember, his daughter had gone to the U.S. to go to school. She just had graduated from Masters University with her biblical counseling degree. Her husband had gone to Master Seminary and was finishing up at Faith Baptist in um, Indiana. She got a tumor in February and died in April before we could get there. No, no forewarning, nothing, and um, and so they are raising their two-year-old. They're now they're in their seventies, and they have a five-year-old who is with um, the dad who's in Indiana, still raising support. I just got an email from him yesterday, and we're corresponding back, is trying to see how we can be involved in some way or another, but. Um, uh, it was the conversation just really struck me because we, we were able to talk with Joe and Noni afterwards and just talk about death and the loss of their daughter. I mean, this is—they only have one child—and I, I want to be really clear: Christians around the world, outside of America, most of them think about death so different than we do. As I began to talk to her, I'm grieving. I don't even know her. I've never met her. I, I'm grieving for them. And it's not that they don't grieve. Japanese are, are not real emotional, not showing you that. But they think about death totally different. Death is the end. That's the great thing. That's the great reward. It's done. You go to heaven. You, you're no longer here. you finished the race. You fought the fight. You're, you're there. there. There is no mourning. They, they don't mourn much over it. It's, you get around Christians. Same in the Philippines. You just you know in in Egypt and everywhere we go we realize that i think it's it's got to be our stuff it's got to be our houses and our money and our stuff that makes us hold on to this life so hard and we and we got to be careful with that it's extremely dangerous they just think about death different it's the reward it's over i'm going home to be with jesus so when you talked with them, as much as I kind of wanted to get in and tell, you know, how are you doing? I want to put my arms around them. I want to I console them. I want to comfort them. You know, they didn't need any comforting. Their hope was in Christ, finish work, and they were fined with God's decision to take their daughter home. More than you can imagine. More than you can, I mean, it was stunning to us. And we kind of walked away and go, we got too much junk. We got too much stuff in this world. We hold on to this life which is passing and fleeting. And Jesus told us that over and over, didn't he? Um, and, and we know that. And so it was so refreshing. And, and they were so happy taking care of this two-year-old in their 70s. And like, we get our two-year-old, but he goes home. Praise the Lord. <laughs> they got him night and day. Uh, so it, he was so cute. Of course, there's a train. He's all boy. There was a train. We stopped in this little restaurant and got a bite to eat afterwards. And... and um there was a train there, and he was just totally into that train. He'll never know his mom. He'll never remember. Um, but they're okay with that. They're going to raise him in the admonition of the Lord. And so I just wanted to share that. It's really encouraging to think through those things. Next slide. We've got to keep going. I only have 98 slides. We're in the, Phili- we're in the Philippines. This is the ministry at Sola Gracia. This is the headquarters of Sola Gracia. It's just outside of... Tandag, uh, Mindanao. So we're on the bottom island. We are at the end of the earth. You fly, to, you fly to Manila, and you fly another plane down, and then you get in the car, and you drive for six hours on the roughest, hardest road you've ever been on in your life, and you get here. Um, so you really are at the ends of the earth, as Jesus said. And this is a great ministry. I've been there many times now, and this was probably the best trip I've ever had. Uh, next slide. So when we drove in, there was a, this flyer was out there, and notice my name is on this. Now, Nilo would have never put my name out in public um, before. So he's either trying to get me killed <laughs> or things have changed there. Um, it's the latter. Things have really changed. Del Norte was the president the last couple terms. Uh, he's 80 years old. He lives in Davos City. Um, he, he just took it to the Muslims. And he said, this is not your island. And he really appealed to them first, said, all the people you're following live in ivory towers in Arab, in, in, in the Arab world. They have all the money. They have all those things. You have nothing. You're dying in the jungle, barely surviving on rice. Why do you follow those people? And if you keep following them, I'm going to kill you. And he did. And he ran them into one city called Mamawi um, when I was there last time. And he got all of the Filipinos out that weren't Muslim. And then he just wiped the whole city out. And so that whole country, I mean the whole island, which is Mindanao, has been taken back by the Philippines. Uh, I don't think we saw one in a burka, with a black, what it was, uh We would see one of the where normally that was always everywhere. We felt very safe. There were no we there one mili- no evil looks. Yeah, <laughs> like these people want to kill us. Yeah. None of that. Um, we had one military checkpoint we saw um, only in the whole time we were there. The countries is experiencing great freedom, uh, particularly the island here. Uh, Next slide. That's going into the compound. There's Nilo, my dear brother. He's half the size he was. I'm kind of the same. I lost some weight too. He really lost a lot for a different reason. Um, But he's doing well. He gets real tired. He preached, and then he's kind of down for a day or so. But um, he's doing well. He can't afford any chemo or radiation, so he's doing Immunotherapy. immunotherapy. Um, but it is working. The cancer numbers are coming down. He's he's preaching again. He, he's just a he's just a miracle of God. Next slide. I love that guy. That's Fele, his wife, and Gina and I. Um, I hope I get to see him again. Um, uh, but if not, I'll cherish that time we had with them. What what a sweet couple. <laughs> that someone's got to write a biography on that guy. When it, it's just amazing what God has done through him. Next slide. Uh, me preaching, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm soaking wet. I got so much sweat off me. That's a tile floor there. When I was preaching, I got a little excited and almost fell down because slipped in my own sweat. Um, that's how bad it was. I know that sounds terrible, but it, you're, you're down on the equator. It, we, Gina and I come back, we never complain about Florida's humidity. And if you're a complainer about humidity, you go with us sometime. I promise you won't. It's, it's like it pushes on you. <laughs> You walk a hundred yards and you feel like you ran a mile. It's amazing. That jungle humidity is tough. Uh, So preaching in it was challenging, um, and I preached a lot more than I've ever have uh, down there. I don't know why, but I did. Next one. Worship with them. They they sang in English a lot for us. We did. They did sing some Tagala. I don't know if I have a slide of that or not. I think I do. Um, but they, English is important. Nilo really makes them work on their English because it gives them gives them some respect in the community. And so, and they teach the kids English at their school. And so most of them can understand English. Um, the pastors do really well. And they can actually hear me preach in... in um, in English, but they'll do this. Everyone, slow down, Scott. Slow down. You know, I have a little problem with that. But um, Gina, uh, Gina, as I taught the men, Gina taught the women, and so she had I think three sessions with them. Um, you want to talk about that at all, babe? Um, they they soak up everything that you're teaching with them, and they're so grateful, so thankful, uh, very attentive. Uh, they they just love learning, so it's very sweet time when we were there. Next
1: slide.
0: their language, is Tagala, um, and uh, you, you can pick some things out. It has a little bit of Spanish in it, a little bit of kind of Polynesian in it, um, uh, but it's a sweet language. Next slide. While we were there during the conference, they ordained two pastors. Um, I got to teach to them and got to be a part of that uh, ceremony of laying hands on those men. That's Emil on the far left, that's Nilo's son who who really is kind of taking Nilo's place in a lot of ways as a real leader in within the ministry. Emil's a super sharp young man. We may get him here in in September. Um, they're coming to the states for a conference out west. We may get them here. Next slide. There's Nilo preaching. He preached two sessions in the conference, and he notice he sits in a chair. It's just he's so he gets so tired, but. He, did, he still got fire, man, and and uh, a lot of. When you listen to them preach, they'll preach in Tagalog in English. They'll just go back and forth. And I t- I, Neil, I can't do that. No, no, fine. You preach in English. And uh, and the guys that had a hard time with it, they would have people sitting next to them, helping them understand what I was saying. But that's that's Neil preaching away. That's Emil. Emil preached a session uh, too. He's just an excellent preacher. Uh, Very schooled in the word of God. Next slide. Um, This are the elders of Sola Gracia. Um, This is Pastor Larry right there. Sweet, man. I'm going to show you where he was born and raised and God saved him. And now God has been saving his entire family. Um, It's amazing what he's doing with them. Uh, Pastor King right here. He may come in September with a meal. That's Neil's son. This is Pastor Hybels. Um, I can't remember, these two guys are from uh, Manila. Manila area and then Nilo there. And those, those are the elders of Sola Gracia Ministries and uh, really lead the ministry and oversee the church planting and educate the pastors and all that. Next slide. This is them with their wives. Um, what a sweet group of people, very dedicated. Next slide. Then they all want pictures with you. Gene and I are up here, and they just kept coming up, and more and more kept coming in to want pictures. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Next slide. Elders and wives. Next slide. These are just pastors. Um, these guys. Some of these guys are from the Chipoli tribe. I'll show you. I'll show you another one. Next slide. She is. Yeah, she's. From there, the yeah, these are all pastors where, where, the, where the pastor got shot, I'll, and I'll show you his, his um, widow. Um, they are still ministering in those mountains. And these pastors are, these guys are all pastors from those Tabuli tribes up in the, way up in the hills, way back in nowhere land, um, all traveled here forever to get to this conference. You helped pay for that. We sent, I think, four or five grand ahead to pay to get these, help pay to get them there. They have no money. So they got to ride buses for hours and hours and hours to get there um, uh, so they could be with us. Next slide. I have some better pictures. This is the um, Lanao, uh, which is kind of uh, east of Manila. They're, they've got quite a ministry going up there now. These guys drove three days in a van because there's islands, and they took ferries to islands and then drive for a while, took another ferry to come across three days to get to the conference, and then three days home. Driving very special group of people, Um, and that that middle group, that middle group is is who we've known for like twenty years. Yeah, yeah, very faithful. Yeah. Next slide. This is Pastor John, and this is his fiance. They're like they're twelve, but they're not. They're in their (laughs) twenties. They. He is such a sweet young man. Well, I'll show you his church in a minute. They're getting married in August. Um, We gave them a couple hundred dollars, American dollars, which would translate to about a half a year's salary. And we gave it to him. Uh, My son Connor also gave some money. And um, so he's building on the end of the church a little parsonage. Um, You should see what they live in. And I said, I want you to use this to get ready for your bride. And he just wept and just hugged me and was so grateful. Um, He's doing everything he can to try to provide for her. She's actually from the Toboli tribe, and they met at several conferences, and they've been courting and dating, and they're getting married in um, August. So very sweet young man, very, very excited about Christ. He's a great little preacher. Next slide. Pastor King, and what's her name? Uh, of it in? No, it's in. Mina. Um, he is one of the elders. Just a sweet couple. They, they may be here in September. We may get them here. Um, come out and see us. Next slide. This is giving you a little idea of kind of traveling through the jungles and rice fields and coming to a little community like this. Just. Mm-hmm everything lives along the highways they don't live very far off the highways because that's how they get around there's one main road that comes through if you went to manila it looks like san francisco but this is the real Philippines. it hasn't changed in years and years next slide that's the those little rickshaws, that's how they get around. It just costs a couple pesos. and They go so far and drop you off, and you get another one. Close to the old movie cars. This is a Toga River, this, and this road was only put in in the 80s. So this area where Nilo is has never had any roads in it up to 1980s, and they they used this river to go up and down. And Pastor Larry was in there with me. He said, "My dad tells stories of just his dad, his dad before him, and so forth. That's how they went to town. They floated down the river and then back up uh, to get to get supplies." Next slide. Everybody plays along the road they drive rice along the road lots of children Yep, lots of children lots of rice fields you eat rice breakfast lunch and dinner that's a water buffalo out there they're not wild all the water buffaloes are tamed and they that's how they plow their fields most of them don't have tractors or anything like that they just plow with the water buffaloes um, if you get real hungry you eat them one year um we they ran out of when you were going down there, Nilo had a water buffalo, and he didn't have enough meat to feed the the pastor, so he killed his water buffalo and fed the water buffalo to him. It was actually really good meat. Um, next slide. It's just jungle. It's if it's not jungle, it's coconut groves or banana groves or rice fields. Uh, it's it's the end of the earth. Next slide as you watch us i, I want to explain this um i've never been able to go to these places never nilo would never let me go here because i would get kidnapped or killed we're walking down a trail about a mile there's a church at the end of this and we got out we parked the van out on the highway and got out and just started walking it's like you know 100 degrees and 150 percent humidity and uh, so you're soaked by the time you get there but This is just a trail, and it goes back, and there's just homes along here, um, little tin roof homes, and the pastors are with us. That's one of them, and they're greeting people along. They know everybody, and everybody knows them, and and many of them are saved. Um, If they're not, they still know them, but what was so fascinating about this trip is I could never go here before. I was never allowed. I mean, Nilo said, you'll die. I mean, they'll kidnap you. This is all Muslim in here. They're all gone, and... Now the church is taking off in here. So we just walked and walked down here. Next slide. Um, Along the way, you just meet people. This was a dear sister in the Lord. She had two or three children. She was pregnant with her third or fourth. Her husband cut lumber, and there was lumber there. And they have a little store. Everybody has one of these stores. They all sell the same stuff. But... um, just as sweet as can be, and so pretty soon they're following us along to the church. And we get to the church, and we have a whole herd of people with us. She, she was in um, the conference. With yeah, May, she was in the, the ladies' conference conference. cooking and helping um, feed the pastors. Next slide. Hello. This is a laundry mat. Everybody's down there washing clothes. That's they all. It, they all stop. That's where there's a little creek that kind of runs along there, but. We just kept walking and walking around mud puddles. It rains every day, you know, because the humidity just builds up and pours um, there. You got your chickens in your house, and it's, it's, you know, it's very rural. Um, if you have a house that's a cinder block, you have some money. Most of them are kind of just wood siding with tin roof on them. Next slide. Okay. Welcome. This is the church into this very, very long path. Um, still, still this is a church back property. The neighborhood back here, yeah, I don't know if you can hear me mumbling this there, is but pastor the Sola owns this own building. This building. <laughs> they built this. It's been there for quite a while, but hadn't really taken off to the uh, last few years. Um, this little that's that's fast the school hatch school they, they use they for use Sunday school this? class for the kids. And, and then, then you follow along. And this is one of the nicer churches that we saw here. This one, they, they put a little bit of money into it um, from a building standpoint of view. All the churches are community Bible church. It's uh, after Steve Fernandez, who's kind of s- trained Nilo and me. Mm. And, and so they, they named all the churches that. Uh, but it's a sweet little church, has a concrete floor, which is rare. And. Um, It's got all of their pews they build with platforms on the front uh, of them so they can put their Bibles. So if you had, like, a rail on front of those pews right there, because they all want their Bibles open. And when you preach, they're like this. Not on phones. (laughs) On real Bibles. They really, and they write and write and write. They can't, you can't teach them enough. They just drink it in. Um, So this is actually a very, very nice little building. And um, they had to. The pa- they had to take one of these pastors and send them to another church plant. And so one of the elders, Pastor Hybels, is in this church now teaching here. Next slide. These are all the kids we picked up along the way, and people just kept following us um, as as we came. It's very rare. A lot of them have never met an American before. Um, and so they were kind of fascinated with us. And um, that that's Pastor Larry there in the green shirt on on the right, he—I'll tell you his story just in a minute. I can't turn my thing on. Uh, He—he's just such a joyful man. But i, I just—I I love that guy. Um, anyway, uh, this is—this is just kids that kind of follows along, want to get in the parents. Room. But notice what it says there. What does that say? What the? Scripture says. God says. Ooh, what about that saying? Not what you say, what God says. Handle it right. They're very serious about their hermeneutics, getting it right. Um, and they work very hard, and I'm very proud of them, the way they handle the Scriptures. They're just good exegets of the Scriptures. Next slide. Just children everywhere, you know, just they love you. They just come, want to come up, and they want you to touch them and touch their heads, and they're a lot of fun. Next slide. Bananas everywhere better like bananas if you go there Because you're going to eat them all the time (laughs) They like Gina because she's blonde They've never seen blondes before Uh, You know, everywhere I go She's the attraction, not me Um, Next slide This is their national pastime Mm. You would so think the shortest people on the earth would basketball. play soccer? They play basketball. They love basketball. Every village, every town has a basketball court in the center of town. That's what they, they – soccer, who cares about that? And Sunday night, Sunday nights, remember, they were all playing. They all had tournaments yeah, the going. the tournaments. Yeah. I mean, it's big. They, they watch NBA basketball. They think it's the greatest thing in the world. I go, you people the shortest people in the world. Why do you like the tallest sport? And uh, they love it. Next slide. This is the next church we went to. This is in an area where, man, <laughs> I can't believe I got in there. Uh, Nilo told me about this area. It's called it San Miguel area. He he said, Scott, you would die. They would kill you so quick if I ever took you there. Now, here I am, years later, I'm standing in this church. This little guy, he's in his mid-20s. He might be 30. Um, he's the nephew of Pastor Larry. Um, and... This property belonged to Larry's family, which were pagans. Till Larry got saved, he led his entire family to the Lord. His dad, before he died, now it's generationals that are in this church now. And this nephew now is the preacher here. Um, and he, boy, did he love the Lord. Next slide. This is the building. So that's pretty typical of a church building. The Pastor first Larry's one I showed you is really nice. That's pretty typical. They just put up and some posts. They actually, when the his dad died, he said, Dad, I'm children. going to tear down the family home. I'm going to use the lumber and to build Pastor a church Larry, building. Right and his dad said, youngest. that's the best thing you can do with our and house. And that's that the property his dad been been was born on, and now it's a church. And they built that. They took the tore the house down, and that's what they got out of it, built a church building. Um, this Next amazing. Next slide. Um, these are all families. That's Pastor Larry. These are all sisters, older sisters. He had 13 of them. He was the youngest, and he got saved. And that's Emil and his wife, Sarah, and a pastor from uh, Manila area uh, that are this, this, this. And the whole family has come to know the Lord. What was really interesting is this family actually started from a World War II vet who met a Philippine gal when he was down in the war down there. Of course, he a soldier. He was a soldier came back, married her, went to Mindanao, found this valley and bought most of it up um, and then started a family there. And these are all descendants of them. Uh, and But he was pagan, godless. Um, so he, and he actually led them into a false religion while he was there. It wasn't until Larry got saved through Sola Gratia Ministries that the whole family now has come to know the Lord. So quite fascinating. Uh, next slide that's the pastor he's preparing drinks for us so when you're there they always want to go he climbed up a tree right there he just goes right outside the building climbs up a tree wax off some coconuts for us i'll spare you to the picture i had her i have a picture of her drinking it oh. he's wanting us to drink that you can't drink too much because toilets are not really great around there so you don't want to drink too much coconut oil or yeah water um, everywhere I went, I got asked to preach. I mean, so they're just there. I mean, we're just there visiting. I'm there to take pictures and bring them back to you, and there, no way. So the, the, the uncle who got saved, he's 71. He's the oldest living member, and he was 71 was huge because the average lifespan on Mindanao was 54. He was 71, and he, he had got saved, and that's his Bible, and um, he wanted me to preach out of his Bible. So I opened it up and preached out of it. I don't remember <laughs> which I preached so many times I can't remember mm-hmm. what I did. It was a lot of fun. And uh, so next slide. I, I show you this picture. This is uh, how do you say that? In, Inglésia. Inglésia, Christ in Cristo. This is a false teaching church. They're all over the Philippines. They're kind c- of like Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, witnesses. like a Jehovah's Witness. Jesus isn't God. They they are. Ugh, this is a terrible church. Um, and they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They and they build these cathedrals like this. And these people have no money, but they give all their money to this. And they're very, uh, they teach a tremendous amount of moralism. And, of course, you're saved by your own works if you do enough good works. And it's a rejection of Jesus Christ completely. Uh, they're everywhere. And this is one of the things that our, our dear friends have to battle. These are, these are all over the country. Next slide. That's charcoal or copras? That's a motorcycle. Yeah. That's dried rice. They're personal rice. They ri- they work for whoever owns those fields and then they get a portion. Wow. Por- so they dry it on the road. When it's not raining, they put it out and dry yeah. their own rice. When they heard that we are leaving, they put it. <laughs> <laughs> So Emil and Sarah telling a story. They pastored in this little church here for a long time, but this road is probably 12 miles back in there. It was all dirt and really bumpy. It just got paved, most of it going back in there. And uh, so they said, yeah, when we had to pastor, it was dirt road. The other pastor was with us, and they were giving him a hard time. about they suffered more, you know, so it was fun. You get way back in there, there's this little village in there, and then here's another church. And this is Pastor John, the little pastor that's getting married. This is his church. Um, next slide. Um, nice little church, you know. They they the monies we give, this is what it goes to. They get they pay uh, they, these guys get a bag a fifty pound bag of rice uh, every month, um, which they promptly share with their congregation. Um, it gives them a few pesos a, a month and helps buy Bibles and put these buildings up. So. They can reach their these communities. These are these are just so far off the beaten path. I think if I could get on Google Maps, I could probably show it where it is. But it's so out in the middle of nowhere. Next slide. This is Pastor John, great young man. Pray for him. He's new. He's a new pastor here. He's getting married, but he's he man does he love the Lord? He is a great little preacher. Um, Very excited. Studies he's really hard. Knows Greek and Hebrew. Um, he's, he's outstanding. Love that little guy. Next one. This field right here over to, to about right there and over there, it belongs to Sola Gracia. They have several of these fields kind of scattered around the area. These are their rice fields. Um, they bought these fields. They, they farm these fields and they bring the rice out of this. And this is how they pay the pastures. Uh, this rice comes out, and they give the pastures a 50-pound sack of, of grain that try to each month. Um, and so that's one way they keep the pastures fed. So our, our monies went to buy some of that. This is just a typical Filipino home in the jungle there. This is a grandma. Their parents' work are gone. We didn't quite understand the story, but there's seven of them that she's raising, and she brings them all to church. Um, and they were so happy to see... Sarah's down there, Emil's wife, because they, they knew them from when they were pastoring there. And they were so happy and they were so impressed that we stopped to greet them and say hi to them. But sweet people. Next slide. Emil is teaching in this church. This is a new church plant in Tendag, up in the northeastern corner. We went there just to see this building. Um, there's, this is a kind of some kind of factory down here where they mill wood and stuff. But the owner is a believer, and he comes to the church at the seminary, and he said, you can use my building if you want to reach our community. Next slide. And this is Emil and Sarah. And this is their, just a little, they painted it and got a bunch of plastic chairs and some benches, and that's their church building. And so they're starting a brand-new church there. Um, You remember that Sarah had the triplets? Um, Hope, Faith, Faith is the oldest one. And then the triplets are... Grace hope Grace and Faith Faith is one, I think. Faith, soul, uh, is I think. Yeah. Grace is the one that has she was born with a lot of difficulty. She's she's deaf um and she clearly has you know mental cognitive, cognitive struggles issues. but happiest little girl in the world. I'll show you a picture of him in the world. This is this is Nilo's son and um really one of he's one of the elders of Sola Gracia. <laughs> we we had the best time with them. They're such a sweet couple. Um next slide this is Nilo dressing me for Sunday morning. Oh, and I should tell you, this is, so the Taboli tribe, this is what they wear. Gina's got one on. They gave this to us just to honor us, and they're very heavy. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, that's, that's what, they don't have their sleeves rolled up. I was just so hot, I had to roll my sleeves up. Um, next slide. That's just before church, little, little girls. They're just The kids are just beautiful, Yes. Just love them to death. Um, postcard type of kids. Uh, but that's their best. They put their best on to come to church. Next slide. Oh, boy, he's waiting for Sunday school. Miss Gina's going to be teaching him here in a minute. Next one. This is Nilo's brother, Charlie. I, I think the way I remember the story, Charlie was into all kinds of problems. I think he did time. He did all kinds. And God saved Charlie. Uh, Nilo loves Charlie. And Charlie loves Nilo. And now... He teaches adult Sunday school class in the church. And he did a great job, uh, taught out of the book of Romans. Um, uh, he taught mostly in Tagalog, so I couldn't understand it all. But next slide. But he's, that's, that's Nilo's brother. This is, uh, I think, the high school class. That's um, Ishmael, Ish, Ish, no, Israel, Israel, Pastor Israel. He is their worship leader, uh, great, great worship leader. Uh, he's teaching the youth. Next slide. This is Crossroads. So that goes up to age 39. They look like they're 19, but some of them, a lot of them are married. And, um, and that's Kimwell. That's uh, Nilo's youngest son teaching um, their college career class. This is all on a Sunday morning. Uh, next slide. Uh, that's the adult Sunday school class. See the benches I was talking about? All of their churches, they build them there so they can put their Bibles up there so they can write and pay attention. It's really good. I'm thinking about doing that here. Uh, Just kidding. Next slide. But what happened once after a time? What happened to Adam and Eve? The serpent came, and what did they do? Did they trick Eve? Yes, yes. What did they trick her into doing? Eating some kind of fruit. We don't know what the fruit was, right? And so. Was it bad that she ate the fruit, or was it bad that she disobeyed God? It was bad that she disobeyed God. Because God said, you can have everything that you want, but do not eat from this tree. So this is a school building. Uh, quite a few years ago, Nilo decided that they wanted to start a Christian school. And uh, again, Riverbend has helped in all of this along the way. We helped fund this, and we, they built four classrooms... Now they're up to grade nine, nine mm-hmm. and they're trying nine ten maybe, and they're trying to get to twelve. Eleven. I think eleven next eleven year. next year, and um, and it, they charge a peso or two a month, which is nothing. It's fifty five pesos to the dollar there, um, but because it makes the families commit to coming there, the the educational minister of education has come in there and says, you're one of our best schools in this area. Your teaching is far superior than our public schools teaching. And so they're filled up. And, of course, everything is around the Bible. Math, I I mean, everything is around the Bible when they teach them there. So it's had a huge impact, and their churches have really grown because the kids come home with the gospel, and um, it's just a great impact. Uh, It reminds us that Christian schools should have and, and do in many cases. Uh, that's just all the kids there um, With Miss Gina Next slide mm-hmm. Church starts They love to worship They sing for 45 minutes, an hour And then you preach for an hour and an half It, to them it's, it's just deal. This it's life you know but we're, you know you're preaching away and there goes a rooster right in front of you yeah. next slide uh, this is Nilo praying for me before I preach um, I just can't tell you how sweet a relationship that is um, man, I love that guy and uh, was so grateful to the Lord I, I have at least another time to be with him. I hope the Lord gives him many more years he may I don't know he uh, cancer doesn't mean anything to that guy he just Keeps going. He's the total definition of the energizer bunny. Um, Next slide. This is just me preaching. And what you don't see is Gene over here going slow down, slow down, down. (laughs) because they're trying to hear. Uh, That is a Gatorade bottle that we lived on, so I didn't pass out. You just, you're so, you lose so much water there. It's just amazing. But you can see the church buildings are all open. This and this is a seminary building. So there's classrooms all up here and around. where they train all the guys all week long these are f- native flowers that grow right there it's just it's it's like paradise there uh it's just really sweaty, <laughs> sweaty <paradise. laughs> next slide this just after church um that was kind of like the choir yeah they were kind like the choir a lot of the gals and very sweet most of them are all married this one this is the only single gal there uh sweet sweetheart of a gal um There's uh, Pastor Israel, he's the worship leader, his wife. Next slide. Of course, once you take one picture, they all want in. And uh, so these are just families uh, that attend the church. Many of these people cooked for us all week long um, so that the pastors could all be fed. Next slide. This This is Keith. This is Nilo's oldest son. He's the doctor. Um, and his wife and their three children, they live on campus there. He's, he's the only doctor in the whole Providence. And it would be uh, probably from here to Lake Mary, um, to Palm Coast, to maybe New Smyrna. He's the only pastor, I mean, only doctor in the whole area. Um, so we're trying to build a medical clinic on campus, as that's one of the goals we like to do, um, that really draws the people there. Uh, so, and he's really kept track of uh, Nilo's health as well. Next slide. This is, um, this is the same family, that the family that all got saved from Pastor uh, Larry's family. that were, They came to church that day. They, all the churches came together. Four, uh, four churches came together because we were there. Next slide. I'm trying to hurry, Troy. Um, this is Israel and his family next slide this is Kimwell their youngest he just got out of medical school he too is a doctor his wife is a doctor Uh, she teaches in a university not too far away they don't have children yet great young man he teaches the college and career type group Um, very very sharp young man Um, he's trying to figure out what to do uh, with his medical degree, but he's trying to stay close enough to the family. So um, anyway, next slide. There's more families in the church. Next slide. This is Emil and Sarah, and in their triplets. This is Faith, their oldest, and their triplets. Um, this is Grace here. <laughs> she is a character. She can't hear at all. Um, and she definitely has some cognitive issues, but they love her. You know, if you talk about, well, hey, have you taken to a doctor? Well, no. And we would do everything we can. To them, they, this is the way God gave her to us. And so we're going to love her and raise her and teach her about Jesus. That's just how they think. And so different than how we would handle things, but that is a great couple. <laughs> Wow, I praise the Lord, because Nilo is... You think Nilo is almost irreplaceable, but nobody is irreplaceable. God just raises up the next men, and that's him. And he's, he's a great leader. Next slide. This is a very, very special uh, picture. This is when... Her husband was the one that was shot last year in the Tiboli tribe. We learned a lot about that. It wasn't just because he was a Christian. The tribes have a lot of wars between them. And the land that Sola bought belonged at one time to a tribe. Well, that tribe did not pay its taxes, and the government took that land away from them many, many, many years ago. Well, Sola comes in and finds this piece of land for sale, and they bought it. And they built a church building on it, and in the back of the church building, they built a little parsonage, you know, 10 feet, maybe 12 feet off the back and, you know, a room and... They cook outside, so just kind of a bed and maybe one wall separate the parents' room or something. And he was in that room studying to teach the Bible study that night on a Sunday night. He had already preached that morning, and a man came in the back window and, while he was studying, shot him in the back of the head. Um, and we sent money; our church helped out with this. And they built her a little house there on this property, on the Sola property, and she's raising her boys, her her boys 15, or two girls there. Um, I looked for her all week trying to meet her, and I could never find her because she was serving the whole time. She was in the kitchen. Uh, She works with Sarah in the finances and helps Sarah with the finances of Sola She is a servant like you can't believe. Um, That, when the Bible says, the world, the world is not worthy of them. These are the type of people I think about uh, the way they serve, and uh, so the problem, the problem, <laughs> the problem. What they thought was going to happen is in in the tribes. If you kill, if you kill one of ours, we know you're going to kill one of. If you kill one of, if you go kill somebody else's family member, you just know that somebody's going to come kill yours. It's just a, it's a revengeful society that's around, around the world a lot. So Legratius came with Wynne and said, and Wynne had to convince her family, we are not going to kill anybody. God does not want us to do that. Jesus was killed for us. So now, a year later, there's been no retribution done, um, and they are, they, they, are, they are now winning people to the Lord because they didn't kill anybody in the family. And their testimony is It's just amazing. Yet at the end of the day, she has no husband. He died for the sake of Christ. He's raising it. And you get around him and you just go, I want to be like that. (laughs) I want to love Jesus so much that I can handle loss. I I think we just have to learn, folks. We have to know our Bibles better. We we have to know what's important. Uh, That's our biggest problem. We don't understand the Bible enough to say what's really important and not live that. And and that's why I enjoy traveling and speaking and doing these things, because it's, it's good for me. So she's precious. Remember her wen and her children, W-R-E-N. Um, just pray for her. And um, I, I don't know what life holds for her, but she knows God's going to take care of her. Next slide. Yeah. Travel is unique there. I want you to watch this video. Um, one of the pastors had just got pulled over for not wearing a helmet and he got a ticket. There were six on that one. We're not done. <laughs> Emil's driving us to the airport. We're in the six-hour drive to Davo City to fly out. This is on a Sunday afternoon. we still got to stop at another church for me to preach at. I go, Emil, Emil, you got to pass this guy. We're to see how many people are actually on that. I think there's a 50-pound bag of rice on the right side behind that big bucket. Put the <laughs> There's a on. This is just common. You see this all the time, and there's a helmet law in the country. Oh, wait, nine, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight. There was oh, eight, eight on that eight. one. Eight. <laughs> they build, they build these boards on the. I don't even know how they get going. I ride a motorcycle. I, I'm always saying, how do they get going without, you know, and get them on, so they don't tip over, and it's just hilarious. So we didn't know this, but we stopped at another church, and this is another church. Uh, next slide. These people had waited for us for hours, and they, they have no money. These, these people are so poor, and they put a meal on for us. You eat it because <laughs> you don't want to offend them, but you don't know what you're eating uh, in most cases. There's always rice is our go-to. Well, we know the rice, so we can eat that. Um, uh, but and we, brought, we stopped at a McDonald's. or We went through a town. Everyone saw there was a McDonald's down there, and we bought chicken because you get fried chicken at McDonald's, of course, and spaghetti at McDonald's. So... Um, so we got some chicken and brought it because I said, let's bring something to them. And, and so we had a meal with them and then took a picture. This is their church. This is almost everybody in this church. Um, very sweet people. Um, of course, they <laughs> – I'm in shorts. We're going to the airport. And they go, can you preach? And so I preached another message. Um, anyway, next slide. So last, last time I was here, this was just a very primitive uh, building. Um, in church I'm telling you, there was a church was here, I'm uh, saying in this video, that was kind like of like that other one Bible I saw. It was just, just boards building and a roof and stuff. So we sent, I think sorry, we sent, church, I'd have to ask Brian, um, I think we sent $40,000 $40, down a couple years ago. $40,000, 40, so um, From our missions to this, and this the, is what we built. And they are starting classes. This is a seminary extension, a Bible college seminary extension, about six hours away from the one that we were just speaking at. We built this. Some other churches pitched in. I think the total building was $100,000 <laughs> of what we built. It's amazing how far money goes down there. Um, next slide. This is a, it's, it's a classroom now. This is a Monday morning. They're getting ready. To, um, they have about six or seven students there. Um, but it's a church on Sunday. Uh, in, and they're reaching the community that's in. Next slide. Uh, these these are all, There's a meal, but these are all students here that are going to classes there this man right here was an extreme charismatic pastor they did a conference here he came and he said he'd never heard anybody preach verse by verse he just preached stories and that's what they do and and then you try to twist arms so they give money and it's very emotional and all that he came the very first time he says i think i'm going to come to one of your bible classes and, <laughs> and he's been there ever since and he's cha- his whole church is now following him into biblical teaching. You have to understand they have to change their whole soteriology, their doctrine of salvation, and they're they're seeing the doctrines of grace and they, and they're going back and taking it to their people. It's a, it's amazing what God's doing. And and riverbenders, this is this is what your money is producing. It's producing pastors in places you'll never see, you'll never know till you get to heaven. Um, that's what these guys are doing. This is very special. Um, I preached again here. Uh, this on our way. This is the next one. I'm trying to get to the airport and um, kind of watching. we a watch. little tired, buddy. Yeah, that. we were we were exhausted. <laughs> I mean, done. But Lord, just strength. You preach the next message. We we dedicated the building, prayed and dedicated the building. And this is the pastor. who lives in a little kind of shack over to the right here. But we've got to fix his house because it looks really bad next to this. But <laughs> and his two two girls. Um, no, one of them is his wife, his wife and his. They're so young-looking. Uh, anyway, next next slide. Paul is writing his last inspired letter. Uh, this is letter. me teaching to him. We know of no other letters. You've heard me before. Go Timothy ahead. Next slide. is taking the mantle from... Uh, this is my last two slides. That's my son, Connor. You think you're going on a mission trip, and it turns out to be a mission trip to your son. Um... God saved my son. Um, and here we are in Japan, and, you know, we worked it around to go see him. He's He w- he was playing. The story gets tougher here as we go along. But uh, this is a son that not too many years ago said, Dad, do not, if you want to have a relationship with me, you cannot bring your Christ in. Um, he had rejected the faith, walked away from us, the faith. Um, uh, there are no more Harder things that we've been in the church there's nothing harder than that um, but we we spent almost every day uh, time in the Word watching our son just weep over his sin and the hard the consequences that he's had to live with, and yet in the end trust the lord um, and it, we sat there and studied our Bibles together, and he asked a million questions, and I answered him it wasn't we left to the Philippines, came back. Next slide. When we came back, he was pitching. We went to the game. He threw the worst game of his life, and they fired him, basically, after the game. They released him. He's in Japan by himself. He's been living there by himself, very hard, no English speakers. He had two other Americans that got hurt in spring training, got sent home. So he had no other Americans. God was refining my son. He came out, we, it, it was hard to watch as a dad, he, he threw very poorly, he was hurt, his knee was hurt, he could not communicate to them that he was hurt, he, he had a hard time, long story there, he comes to the, we, he said, text me, he said, dad, just meet me at the train station, so we went to the train station, you know, my son's six three, six four, two twenty. 220, he walks up to me and falls on me, and just sobs, and he said, dad, is, is God punishing me? I think it's a really good question. When your life's falling apart and all the things that you do, sometimes you think that. anybody, I think it's a very honest answer. And of course, I said, "Son, no, that's not our God." And I said, "But let's just weep." And he just wept. And and um, I I can't imagine our son having to go through that without us there. And God just had to tie His hand all over this trip, and we got to spend such incredible quality time with Him. Uh, just in his apartment, just talking through the Scriptures. The next day, we opened our Bibles, and I worked through passage after passage to help him understand how great a father the father is, Um, far greater father than his own father. And we wept and read and rejoiced, and he accepted it and said, Dad, if this is what God has for me, I, I accept it. I went against him for too long. I accept what God has for me, and so... We, we did some sightseeing. This is in um, Shibuya, Shibuya, Shibuya Crossing, which is where the only time you're ever going to see Americans are kind of here. Um, but we just had a great time together, and they ended up releasing him. He didn't get picked up by another team there, and so the team paid for him and flew him home, and we actually flew home with him. And uh, he's back in Sacramento. He's rehabbing his knee, and, and he may get a minor league contract. His agents are working on, on that stuff. But he said, Dad, if that was it, That was it. God has something better for me to do. And uh, I I just you know, I want to thank you because you know, we, we do a lot here in this ministry from our schools to our preaching, to our discipleship, to our outreach, to everything we do. But we also, we all have families. We all have children that we want to love the Lord Jesus. And you know, my son is one who's very gifted. Um, you know, they just don't play at any higher levels than what he's played at. And yet he drifted away from the Lord. And kids, let me tell you, the world wants your soul so bad. It wants to, and it wants to take everything from you. It will give you everything to get your soul. And this is, he's a good lesson. And don't abandon the faith. Don't walk away from it it's costly connor has a lot of consequences in life because of those things but god's grace is greater than the consequences of sin and i just i want to i want to encourage you to walk with the lord know the lord um he he, he gave us money for ren he said dad is her family's down there i can help and i mean he just he's so engaged with what we're doing now and um and it, it was really worth it. This was the best mission trip of our life. We've been everywhere. And, and I loved Egypt and places like that and things we did. But this one involved our son. And um, I just really want to thank you for sending us. Um, your funds helped do that. It allows us to go train pastors around the world. Um, and part of it was us being able to stop and see. The fighters, the professional team over there, paid for our flights over there. So we made them pay for the mission trip. But they don't know that. Don't tell them that. Um, <laughs> Uh, that was part of Connor's contract to fly mom and dad over. Um, we, they flew us business class, and we got to sleep in those booths, and I, I don't know how we're going to do the next mission trip now. Uh, but <laughs> we've been a little bit spoiled in that, but we'll do it. Somehow we'll muster up to do those things. But um, keep running, church. Some of you are tired. You've, you've run a long race, and things haven't worked out maybe the way you thought they would. Keep running. If anything, you get around these people... They view death different. They view this life different, and they view eternity different. And I, I, we got to get that. We, we got to catch that. And it's coming from the Bible. It's not just coming from circumstance. It's coming from the Bible. They believe their Bible, and you say, "Well, we do too." Really? I mean, we have our stuff, and it's our stuff, guys. And and it's just pulls our attention away from the depth and the truth of the knowledge and glory of the person of Jesus Christ. And we all battle it. We all battle materialism. And it wages a war on your soul. And I'm not telling you to go give your money away. I'm just telling you to use it for God. And, and give. Give. Um, you may not be able to go do this. But Jean and I still can. And there's others. We've got some of our young people overseas right now um, Young people, go to seminary, go to Bible college. I know you're trying to get some kind of career so you can make a lot of money, but that doesn't help this. They need people to go down there and teach them theology. They need people to teach them languages, teach them how to preach, teach them how to share the gospel, teach them how to love. They need people down there, and we are highly educated here. Who's going to go? I mean it's such important that we raise up another generation of missionaries to send them down there and around the world. Well we had two go overseas, two college, two college career people go overseas this summer. Camp's great. The beach is wonderful, all of that. Do you think about eternity? One day we will stand before the Lord and we will give an account for what we did in the flesh. Not for our sins, there's no condemnation, but we're going to give an account. Paul says it clearly. What did you do with what I gave you? Did you serve the Lord Jesus Christ with your life? Or did you find a church and just take from it? Take care of my kids, take care of my youth, make sure they have a good camp, make sure the preaching's good, make sure the music's good, or I'm not coming, I'm going to find another church. That's what Americans do. They church hop from one to another to another. That's what they do until they find somewhere where everything meets their needs. These people build a lean-to in the jungle, and they come by the droves. It's, just, it's a reality check, brothers and sisters, and I'm not being mad at you at all. I love you to death, and we have a great church. God's blessed us. But we can excel still more, can't we? Amen. We can give more. We can serve more. We can get rid of things out of our life. How many of you are in debt to credit cards? How many of you have a huge debt where you can't give to the Lord like you want? Get, start working on that stuff for the glory of the Lord. It's just little things that stop us from being able, because we're so consumed, because we have problems, we have the, all these things. And, and it's, it's just a joy, it's just a good check for you when you get overseas to go, okay, that's the way the Lord wants us to live. Now, we're Americans. God has blessed us. There's nothing wrong with what God has given us. It's what we do with it. So let me encourage you by these slides and this time. as you look at these flags, what a providential thing that Josh was doing something for the BBS. They ended up for this. But there's Christians in every one of these countries, every one of these around the world. God is gathering his church just like he promised. And we're either going to be involved with that process or we're not. He'll just bypass us and use another church. Man, I don't want that to happen. I do not want God to bypass Riverbend. I'm going to put my foot on the ground on that one. And I'm going to drag you along. Because <laughs> we, we want to be, yes, yeah, pick us, God. Pick us. Use us, God. So let's get our lives in a position so he says, yes, you're available. You're, you're sacrificing for me. I will use you for that. So let's make sure we don't miss that. Uh, students. Pray tonight that God would call you to the ministry. Rethink about going to a public college and not a Christian college where you can get, or at least sub, uh, subsidize some of that. Take a Bible class. Do, do something that maybe you can get in position because you know the Bible really well. And, and the Bible college isn't the only the answer. It's dedication to it. But in my time when I grew up, it seemed like half of the kids I grew up in Sunday school were wanting to be missionaries. If I went through the high school, and you guys just came out of camp, and I, I heard Josh just did a great job preaching music, uh, small group. I heard it was just a phenomenal camp. Praise the Lord. You're just coming out of that. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to go right back to what you were doing beforehand? What keeps you from going back? And why isn't God calling young people out of our church to the mission field? So, so are you, maybe it's you. It might be you that he's calling to go to the mission field to preach the gospel, to train, to teach children, um, to teach English so they can learn the gospel. So please, just pray. Ask God. You might be that person. God might stir in your heart. I got called to the ministry just like this in in a meeting. There was a missionary from Russia was in our church, was talking about it. I was sitting at the end of one of the aisles, like one of those young men there, and God called me to the ministry, 17 years old. Just like this, somebody was telling me about missions and what was going on overseas, and I said, I'll go. If you call me God, I'll go. And that started my journey. Here I am many, many years later. Um, So that needs to happen more. We want that to happen. And so I really encourage you students. All right, you second-generation missionaries out here. Our largest missionary group that's going to the field right now because the young people aren't going is second-career missionaries. People who raise their money, made money in the in the business world who don't need to raise support are going to the mission fields. It's guys like Dave and Sue, Susan. So people like that. Um, where are Dave and Susan in here somewhere? Yeah. It's people like them. They 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 finish they you know in law enforcement or whatever, and then they end up going overseas. And that's that's the largest. Now, that's great, but having young people going is such an impact on on mission so i've done long enough i hope i'm not trying to berate you at all but uh i just want us to be careful what we get so caught up in because we just aren't to be used of the lord you come back you just really see the difference in that so bear with me i i love you i'm i'm thrilled with this church i I just want to excel still more one life it's all we got if he doesn't return soon we're going to the grave Somebody's going to say some nice things about you and put you in the dirt. That's all we got. And then we're with the Lord for eternity. <laughs> that, that puts it into reality. What are we doing? Are you discipling somebody? Are you being discipled? Are you carrying the message to the next? I mean, that's what we do here. You mean, I can't go to the Philippines. Well, can you grab some people and have a soul care group, a, a Bible study? Can you do that? Can you take a Bible college class so you know how to handle the Word of God, how to study the Bible? I mean, just find something to do for the Lord and, and, and ask Him. He'll show you so we can excel more. Just think of this group right here, a couple, of, two or three hundred of us probably in here. Um, just think if we did this, what would, what the impact God could use around the world. Lord, thank you for promising us that you would save people. We can fly around the world and know because you promised that you would save people from around the world, every tribe, tongue, nations. You, you promised, and they're there. And there's wonderful people that have stepped out on faith that you're using to see you save people and dwell them with your spirit and give them new life. And, and Lord, there are men and women all over who have dedicated their lives to do that. There's also those who hold the rope, Lord, that give regularly and sacrificially give to the church so it can send the funds and send people who are trained. And uh, It takes all kinds to do it, Lord. But, Lord, we just all want to examine ourselves tonight to make sure that we're doing our part. We're doing what you called us to do. Are we a rope holder or are we going down into the well? I, I think, Lord, there's probably somebody in here you might be calling, you know, that you would want to go. I, I, I can't imagine a church our size that you wouldn't call somebody out of this church to go to the mission field, to train, to get further educated in those scriptures so they can go teach somewhere. So, Lord, I pray that you would use Riverbend for worldwide missions. And we would be a very mission-minded church, not only here, certainly here, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, these are important things around here, but even to the ends of the earth. So, Lord, we thank you that you are saving people around the world. We thank you for Sola Ministry and the ministry in Japan. We ask that you continue to meet their needs, Lord, and you continue to draw people to you and use those ministries to do that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.